Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker. Today, I have with me Greg Hickman, the CEO of Alt Agency, a Denver-based agency that helps freelancers and service providers scale their businesses. On today's episode, he'll tell us about his entrepreneurship journey and how to get paid for your thinking. Hey guys, welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I got with me today a special guest. We got Greg Hickman. Greg, thanks for jumping on the podcast with us today. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about. It. I was kind of telling you off the uh, off the air before we jumped on is that I've been uh, I've been stalking you a little bit, buddy. Uh, you know, like I said, not not to make it awkward to start the interview off, but I I have absolutely been following some of the stuff that you've been doing in regards to helping agencies, um, and it's intriguing stuff, man. It's intriguing stuff. So I was super pumped to see that you know that we were able to to reel you in on the podcast and get you going. And and as we do, man, we usually start the podcast off of we want to know a little bit about Greg. You know, we mm-hmm. want to get to know little Greg and medium-sized Greg, and now we're a big Greg, <laughs> not size-wise, but, you know, in status. Um, like, where did you grow up, man? Uh, New Jersey. Jersey boy. Yeah. Nice, nice, yeah, nice, most nice. Pe- most people don't know. Uh, well, when they meet me, just because I've been in Colorado for so long, they're just, like, surprised that I'm from New Jersey. But, yeah, born and raised New Jersey, man. I love it. I love it. And then how did you, like, how big was your family in Jersey? Uh, just, f- I mean, cl- uh, immediate family. Just me and my sister, my parents. Um, we had cousins and aunts and uncles, all local for the most part. My mom's whole side of her family was in and around us. My dad's family was scattered. So really close with my cousins and, and all that stuff, but just one other sibling, older sister. Gotcha. And so you got a nice little, sounds like a pretty close-knit family. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I always try to ask people about their families and some people are like, yeah, we got 20 kids. And then people are like, no, it's just me and my sister. Just her harassing me, me harassing her, just keeping it like we usually do. You know, nothing too crazy. My, so what's- interesting fact, though, my grandma, my dad's mom was one of 16 children, which I, I've yet to find anyone that has has that many. And in our time, I don't think anyone's um, 16. Gonna even try to go down that path because on purpose, so you know, yeah, on purpose. I'm crazy about that is that I had so my wife is a nurse and she works with labor delivery. And the reason I was my wife's an OBGYN, is, so what? Shut the front, dude. I knew we were going to be best friends. So, the, the crazy part about that is, is like, so there was just a lady. I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to be saying this, anyways. I'll leave all the details out, but she <laughs> had her 12th kid and, and it was twins. And I'm like, my God, I was really thinking about 12 kids. Like I'm a pretty responsible adult and I feel like I'm pretty on top of things, but I would feel like if I had 12 kids that I would forget to feed maybe two of them a night, like, or forget like to change some diapers. Like, how do you even stay on top of that? Like, like, what is the schedule? Like that, that's not going to fit my Google calendar. Like, I'm pretty sure there's going to be like your budget. I mean, dude, is expensive as heck. I mean, how do you, like, how does that happen? Like you just had, what well, you just had baby number two. Yeah. In, in July. Yeah. She's about six and a half months old. Wow. Congrats. Yeah. I know Once again, I've been stalking a little bit, but that's yeah. what I do. That's <laughs> I'm supposed to do that. I got to get to know my guests, but yeah, I, I just don't understand that. Like, I don't like 16, like that is just silly. I mean, I, I love it. Yeah. Like, Hey, we're, you know, you're pumping them out and, you know, producing for the world and that's, you know, you're doing your thing. Um, that's crazy. So any too. other, yeah, yeah, right. I'm like, can I? How do I tap out at two? I mean, that's, I say, say two point four, but I think two is is a solid number. I don't know how you get the point four, but that's yeah. a whole nother conversation. So, any other interesting facts growing up? I mean, other than grandma had four, 16? Um, So, well, I mean, interesting facts. Uh, 
I mean, I don't think this is that interesting, but it comes up and some people find it entertaining. I grew up with Annie Hathaway, uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, when she went off to go do Devil's Wear, Devil, Devil Wears Prada. Prada, yeah, uh, yeah. Be, be pretty famous. But yeah, nice. she, was, she was a friend growing up. That's awesome. My wife's my wife's a big fan. She loves loves that movie. She's great. Like the yeah. Devil's Own Product. Yeah, I, we've watched it. I've watched it on by default. I think three times, and my wife's probably watching it thirty times. Like she has like yeah. about fifteen movies that she just binges. She goes over the top, and and I turn into a victim because sometimes I go to bed, and when She's I do go to good. bed, yeah, it's a good one. I mean, at the end of the day, it is. I mean, it's entertaining, right? I mean, there, yeah, it exactly. could be like there could be like thirty beaches in a row, like the movie yeah. Beaches, which is nothing against beaches. I mean, I just I, I'm a crier, so it's like yeah. I just you know I just can't do that too many times in a row. And so you're currently in Denver. When did you move to Denver? Um, 08, August of 08, and have been here since. Then met my now wife in 2010, married in 14, and yeah, don't intend to leave anytime soon. Yeah, dude, I love, I, I was saying that we were talking about this a little bit before, but I love Denver, man. Just yeah. such a great area. I mean, a little chilly at times, but like Boulder and just, I, I love the outdoors. I mean, I'm in Sacramento, so we're we're close yeah. enough to like Tahoe, South Lake Tahoe and Truckee. And so I still have great- yet to go to Tahoe. I really want to go. Oh, man, you come out to Tahoe, you let me know. I've got nothing but connections out there. I used to have a cabin out there. So I've got uh, like major, major connections. Yeah, we'll go out and have some fun up there for sure. Um, and then so where did you and then why did you move to, to Denver? Was it for college or? Uh, I was working with a, a startup company that a friend of a friend started and we were all in Connecticut um, with where it started and the the CTO was based here and I was just kind of done with the East Coast and uh, had asked the the owner if it would be cool if I worked remotely uh, with the CTO in, in Denver and he said yes and then shortly after they decided, I mean it was a small team, there was three of us in Connecticut and one out in Denver. And then there was like, you know, effort, we're all going to go. And we like all moved out here together, got an office space and like grew the company to like 13 people. Um, and then I actually left shortly, like eight months later after moving here, but that's what brought me here. Uh, but I really wanted to get here, you know, for that, for the biking, I'm a mountain biker outdoors. So yeah. Doesn't get any better. I'm from California and I'm, I'm a little, I'm not saying I'm envious of Colorado, but it's definitely like one of those, like I, I could absolutely move to Colorado in a hot second. In fact, let's put it this way. It's on my short list of places to move to. I mean, I love California, but there's, trust me, I, I might come out and visit. Um, and then where did you go? Did you end up going to college or? Yeah, uh, upstate New York, a small liberal arts school called Skidmore, Skidmore College. I've actually like heard of that for whatever reason. undergraduate. Okay, gotcha. And what was your major? Uh, business management. <laughs> business management. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So that, that plays in nicely with what you got. And then what was your, your first career or first job out of college? I was a project manager at an agency that was uh, called Tracy Locke. Uh, they were uh, part of Omnicom and we represented kind of like the in-store promotional marketing for uh, Pepsi, Unilever, um, and at the time, a company called InBev, I don't even know if they're still around, but they had a bunch of different beer brands um, that we got to, to support in kind of in-store shopper marketing. Ah, nice. Got you. I, I actually I actually have heard of them um, I, yeah, yeah. with the beers and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, I've heard yeah, of you know, Lever and the other ones. So you've started out with some nice big companies dumping out the gate, huh? Yeah. Getting your that's awesome. I, obviously, you can tell that foundation has, has helped you to get to the point you're at today. So what I wanted to talk about and what I was 
intrigued about because one of the reasons we'd reach out to interview was because of the, you know, getting paid for, for your thinking, right. And in, mm-hmm. in that, that thing of saying people understanding that, Hey, you have knowledge and that people would be willing to pay for that knowledge. Right. I mean, there's, there's definitely something you can sell that. I think a lot of people always in their minds think, Oh, I, you know, Oh no, who cares about what I've learned or what I've done over the last five or 10 years, nobody really cares, but there is value there. Right. I mean, if you can right. build an audience and, and, and tell people, Hey, like, people will pay for your expertise and should pay for your expertise, right? I mean, that's the goal of saying, listen, I can either go spend 10 years like Greg did, or I can just tap into Greg's course or tap into, you know, as a mentor or whatever, hire him. And then he can kind of accelerate me to this, 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 these learning curves. And so, and I want to talk to you a little bit about your journey of becoming an entrepreneur. Like, when did you realize that you're like, Hey, I want to do this on my own. Obviously you had the job, he came out, came hot and heavy working with some big brands. At what point did you say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm ready. Yeah. I mean, the first initial thought, actually goes all the way back to probably like seventh grade. Uh, I, I started mountain biking really early and I would like always hang out at the local bike shop. I thought like owning the bike shop would be like the coolest thing ever. Mm. Um, the owners were super nice. And, and so like at that early age, I was like, it'd be cool to own a bike shop. Like I've kind of figured out that that's the first thought. Then once I learned about business, I was like, that's the worst idea. Cause most bike <laughs> shops aren't profitable. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, I went through a handful of agencies, uh, and then ended on client side, but I started, uh, all of like my focus, uh, kind of a few agencies in, uh, like in my career path, I got really focused on mobile marketing at the time. Um, this was like pre iPhone and all that stuff. And then I was kind of in the game when the iPhone came out and text message marketing and apps, all that thing. So I was like really focused on mobile. Mm. And so I started, um, you know, while I was in the agency, I, you know, came across people like Pat Flynn and, um, you know, Amy Porterfield and people that were like building a business online. And I was like, no one's doing what they're doing around mobile. Um, no one's like teaching about it. No one's blogging about it. There's no podcast about it. And so I started a podcast and a blog, um, all about mobile, just like interviewing the mobile, the head of mobile for cool brands and stuff that I thought were doing cool things with like no real idea of what it was going to be. And the goal was eventually to kind of like be like an online entrepreneur doing something around the mobile space. And that's actually how I made my, my like transition out of corporate, so to speak, um, was trying to take that business kind of consulting, um, some services that we offered, uh, out the gate. And in 2014 was my first year working for myself. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I got started on the side, I think like many people do, and it was really just taking what I had been doing, for other people and started doing it for myself, but trying to go get my own clients. And that was really where it began. Yeah. And now we're going to talk, I think probably the second part of this, we're going to talk about the mobile marketing side of things. Cause obviously you have a yeah. lot of expertise. You kind of started off before it's the, iPhone. a little rusty, but I'll do my best. It's all right, bro. You're don't worry. Nobody's going to know you're rusty. In fact, we'll just take that out of the podcast and we're just going <laughs> to say, I'm a genius is what we're yeah. going to do. We're going to, yeah, it's all about editing, brother. Don't worry. You're going to be amazing. No. So what, what inspired you to, to start uh, alt agency? Like what was your, what was your motivation behind that? Yeah. So, I mean, at the time we had, I had kind of built um, a small agency um, where we were supporting, we were basically building sales funnels and doing marketing automation for a lot of like online influencers, uh, John Lee Dumas, Chris Ducker, um, you know, uh, a handful of Jay Bear, like a handful of people where we were like the behind the scenes, helping them build out sales funnels and automate, you know, their marketing and, you know, email nurture and all that stuff. And, 
we grew pretty quickly and by referral, which like most services and agencies do. And we kept just getting pulled into like, at least I felt like that we were becoming more and more like ingrained in a lot of these different clients teams. And it sort of felt like I had a lot of different bosses mm-hmm. and, um, we kind of hit this critical point where like, if we wanted to keep growing, I needed to start making more hires, you know, for X new clients, I needed X new team members. And as I kind of sat there, I just started to see all of my past agency experience. And I was like, I just got out of this. Like I was trying to, like, I didn't want to be in this big thing and to take this to where I would want to, where I'd want to take it revenue wise and profit wise, like, it's building something bigger than I want, like team wise that I want to build. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to be just like a technician inside of a bunch of people's businesses. You know, we got hired because we knew a lot of stuff and like, we just bundled the, the knowledge with the labor. And over time you just become labor. (laughs) Um, And so, or at least I think valued as such. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of like a critical point. And we decided to kind of take the core service that we had been offering and package it up into like kind of a hybrid, like, I mean, people are calling it like a high ticket consulting offer. Now it's like, there's part training, there's part, you know, coaching and, you know, some stuff is a little bit is done for you. Um, but mostly it's like a done with you experience. And so we basically took our core service from that agency and then just said, Hey, like, let's show people how we build these things versus building it for them. And we'll just make sure they don't mess it up by like the coaching. And Mm -hmm. so we delivered a couple like small cohorts of that and clients were getting like tons of results. Um, It was way less work, uh, way easier to sell, way more profitable. And, um, like it was just kind of, it felt like a win-win and I was like, okay, so we have these clients that we're managing over, you know, over here that are paying us, you know, on this retainer. And then we can add like five, 10, 15 new clients at a time over here. And like, no more, our hours don't go up like at all. So I just started to see that there was like opportunity there. And, um, you know, once you start getting asked enough times about, how you do something. And I think a lot of service providers have these moments that should be like a trigger as to like, okay, like I could probably deliver this in a way that is showing somebody versus just doing it for them. Uh, and that was sort of like the initial Genesis of what is now all agency, um, and what we teach other agencies to do. Yeah. So you really just, you're teaching them how to fish instead of fishing for them. Right. Yeah. I mean, and again, like, for most service providers, they get paid one way. It's selling their time for money, doing services It's the labor. And what we really help them do is add on that other revenue stream that is complementary to their service and, or can replace that service, but it's done through a group coaching program or a consulting offering or, you know, workshops and training And so then they can make money two ways that allows them to sell things and make money without directly and linearly kind of uh, raising their expenses and overhead at the exact same time. I love that. I love that. So it's kind of, you're like, I, and I, I, you know, I know in in our agency, I know there was that aha moment where you're like, wait a second, like we're, we're doing, you know, we got 30 people or whatever the number is. And you're like, I I don't want to keep going in this direction, right? Like there's a better way of doing this. 
You know, yeah. you can still give the same amount of value where they're they're going to be putting some skin in the game and they've got to watch some videos and do some stuff, but it's also interactive and you have coaching to make sure they're not fumbling or doing the wrong things and they can ask the questions and you can scale, right? I mean, then you can help five, 10, 15 clients when you were able to help two or three with the same, you know, uh, you know, amount of people in your on your team. Absolutely. And also one thing that it does that at least that we've seen that I think actually gets overlooked, there's two, ele- two elements to this. One, if you're really good at what you do and you charge what you're worth, there's gonna be a lot of people that you could help, but can't afford you. And so this offering can be priced in a way that allows you to serve a whole kind of different tier of clients that would never have been able to afford you in the first place um, and actually help more people, but they're still getting like essentially the same result. It's just a little bit more of their own sweat into it. Um, So like, that's cool. But then also the other piece is, and this happened to us a lot, and I see it happen to a lot of our clients is, depending upon who your ideal client is, say like you have a marketing offering and you go to this company and they have specific people in their business that already do stuff. Like I know that I've bought courses and training to give to my team so that they can get better. Yeah. And like, so it's an opportunity for you to have an offering that's like, Hey, like we don't need you to do all of it because we have some of the personnel in house. I just don't think they know what exactly to do because they're too junior. So like you can show them what to do and like, they're going to get smarter and better along the way. Like, I think that's a win-win for a lot of agencies too, that oftentimes, like if your agency is successful enough in most cases, at some point we've all heard it, like, we're going to go ahead and bring this in house because it's more affordable. But usually when they bring people in-house, they bring in the execution people in-house. That doesn't mean you can't go sell them something that is pure like advisory and strategic, which is what a lot of our clients have done. And then now it's now you get paid for your thinking. You advise those executional people that happen to be internal. And the execution is probably going to be better anyway because it's internal, right? And so then you, it's like another, it's a win-win. We see clients extend the relationship of clients that would have like you know, just packed up and gone away to go in house to like, Hey, now we got another 12 months in the bag with these people and we're going to help equip and weaponize their internal team. Well, and I think the value in it too, and you touched on it is that, you know, the problem is a lot of the times when your team goes and connects with another team, there's egos and there's other things that get involved where it's like this weird deal of like, Oh, he's going to come in and take my spot or I've got to, you know, flex on them and let them know that this is my house. You know, it's like this weird thing, this push pull thing that, it's hard for them to get them to do things. And they're going to say, Oh, we don't agree with what you're, you know, it just, we've seen that with, you know, it's like, Hey, we're just here to help you guys, but yeah. there's always something involved there. There's somebody else that feels like you're, you're stepping on their territory or, or they weren't doing a good enough job. So they brought in Shane and his team to come advise. And it just, it's that weird feeling, but I love that. It's like, Hey, we're going to, you can take this course and there's no yeah. threat. It's just like, Hey, you're just going to continue education. Not a problem. We'll pay for it. And now you can learn some stuff and you can, once again, you're not doing a bad job, but it's just, you're going to learn and you should want to learn. So I love that. You're, you're not having that budding of heads of which I've seen many times going into an agency where you automatically know where the person, right. The first time you talk to them, you just look in their face and you're like, they hate me already. Like I haven't yeah. even started this and it's a bad, I'm already behind. And then you gotta, yeah. you know, you gotta send flowers and cookies and candies and let them know that you still love them and that you're not going to take their position. And that, you know, and if you yeah, do lose it's... your position, you know, I'll pay your rent for at least a month or something, you know, not a big deal. Don't worry. We'll take care of you. Um, so what was your, like, you know, with all the, the different lessons and big things that, you know, you learned over the years, like, what is your biggest lesson um, in your journey from selling your time for money and services to like being paid for your expertise? Like what would, what would be like your biggest lesson that you've learned from that whole thing, making that transition from, wait a second, I'm getting paid 
hourly to do something to, hey, somebody will pay for you know my knowledge? Yeah, um, I'd say that, um, you know, whether whatever kind of technician you are and whatever technician we were, like we still had the knowledge to do something that our client didn't know how to do. So we were hired for our expertise. We just chose to package it as labor. And the learning is there's other ways to package it. Like just because I know something doesn't mean I need to be the one that does it. I can also show someone. And so my, you know, my lesson is like, you know, if you build websites, rephrase that to, I know how to build websites. <laughs> and yeah. now all of a sudden you can like sell different things and you have different offers. And so uh, just, you don't have to package your experience in the form of service or labor all the time. I love that. Yeah. Cause I think it's important because then you, you kind of, you're putting yourself in a corner a lot yeah. of the times, right? And it's like, Hey, there, there's a lot more to that. There's a lot of moving pieces to that. Thanks, Greg. We've had an intriguing conversation, and I'm sure our listeners now know how they can get paid for their expertise. To our listeners, stay tuned for the next Marketing Growth Podcast, as Greg is still here with us, and he's going to tell us more about how you can use automation without being transactional.